1: Welcome to Dr. Mara Karpel and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpel.com and now also on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, February 20th, 2022, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Karpel and we are back live from beautiful austin texas and we have another packed show for you this evening art mendoza of accomplice entertainment producer of this program is here with us to make the show run smoothly as usual And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from right here in Austin, Texas, by longtime friend of the show, Lauren Tarrant. And this time, Lauren will discuss the need to advocate for our loved ones within the healthcare system and for seniors and caregivers especially. And Lauren's 10-year-old company, Always Caring for Seniors, which provides advocacy for seniors as well as families, has now gone nationwide, and so she'll talk about that. And then later in the program, we'll be joined by musician Betty Navas in L.A. to discuss what she's been up to, and we'll be playing some of her new music. Also, the twins, Minerva and Ruben, in Bay of Banderas, Mexico, are back to talk about another Mexico travel destination And along the way, I'll say just a few words about finding your passion and purpose right here and right now. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. My email address is drmara, D-R-M-A-R-A, at Dr. Mara drmarakarpel.com, dot com. And if you like this show and you want to hear it again, you can listen to the podcast by going to my website later tonight. And the link for the podcast, along with any contact links that we discuss on the program, websites, etc., cetera, will be posted later this evening at drmaracarpel.com. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com. B-L-O-G, slash your golden years and you can also find it on Apple Podcasts. This evening program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by a mightygoodtime.com. Wondering what to do after you're fifty, how about having a mightygoodtime.com? It's free to search, free to post, and much more, whether it's in person or virtually. Anything can be found to fill your day with others. So be more active and start filling your days. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. Okay, we're going to take a brief break, but don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be back after a few words from our sponsors, and we'll be joined right here by Laurent Tarrant, always caring for seniors, discussing advocacy in the medical world. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Super psychologist, Dr. Mara Karpel will be back after words from our sponsors.
1: And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpel.com. And now joining us on the phone from here in Austin, Texas, once again, is Lauren Tarrant. Welcome, Lauren. I just want to just a little note before we start that there's a slight delay when we talk like this, like a second delay. So it's good for you to hear and it. it's good for the listeners to hear so they don't get confused. Welcome. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. How are you this evening? Good. Thank you. I'm well. Thank
3: you so much. I'm excited to tell everyone about Always Caring for Seniors, so I appreciate this opportunity, and I'm sure we'll have some questions.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I always enjoy having you on the program. It's always very enlightening. Thank you. uh, Before we dive into that, why don't you tell listeners a little bit about your background, if they haven't heard you before on this program or don't know you?
3: Okie dokie. Well, I have been a nurse for many, many years, uh, about 40 years. And, yeah, I started out as a little kid, I guess. And I, most of my, most of my practice was in geriatric psych or psych for about 10 years. And then, or behavioral medicine and then home health and hospice for about the last 30 and in home health and hospice uh, as, you know, as well as the other, I've been in management positions. I've been the nurse, you know, making the visits and I've, I've, had just such beautiful opportunities to see it from many, many angles, and that has led me over the years to start up several companies to accomplish different um, different tasks that are not done by families sometimes or home care agencies. And so along the way, I always, you know, when I was placing caregivers for a long time or matching caregivers and mm-hmm. along the way it's so obvious that what you know as our as our population grows and our elderly population grows you know this is new for a lot of families and it's important to talk about what to do and what is going on in the healthcare field so a little bit about me is that i've been a nurse i've done a lot of startups i have done home health hospice and figured out that a lot of seniors and families do not know what to do and they ask their neighbors sometimes and get that advice. And I would rather that they ask a nurse who, you know, who uh has spent a career, myself and my nurses, who spent their career making sure that people are safe in the home and don't have to go to the ER or the
1: hospital or to a nursing so, home. So, so Lauren I am very lucky because I happen to have a friend who's a nurse <laughs> and who doesn't, who's kind of a neighbor of you. Uh-huh. And so oh. when I was going through that with my own mom, when she was in a health crisis for a month, um, I was able to call you. I was very lucky I was able to call you up and your guidance. In dealing with the healthcare system and with the doctors, I really attribute to the positive outcome because I spoke with you at a very pivotal moment, and you gave me some really great guidance about how to deal with that situation, and I really attribute that to the positive outcome for my mom's health crisis. So I am so excited that you are now really focused on, you know, again on on navig- helping people navigate because I wouldn't have known what to do if I didn't have you to help me. Thank
3: you. And, you know, that is that is that is the thing when when you're in a crisis And you have doctors making decisions and you're fighting with your brothers and sisters or every family is different. And sometimes um, you just need to have an outside party who has some experience who can just say, wait, wait, okay, I hear what you're saying over here, but hold on, the doctor just said this. And people don't understand what doctors are saying People don't understand what is going on all of the time, and they need someone to, to kind of almost mirror it back to them and then also to just let them know, this is what the doctor said. Did you hear that or did you understand that? And if that is not okay, what are we going to do about that? And I think mm-hmm. with your situation, not to get too you know too close, But to your situation, I think it's a very common situation where families are told that from a conservative physician that this is all we can do. And it happens all the time because I I think they're trying to protect um, patients or the hospital or their license or whatever that is. But they say pretty early, this is all we can do. Well, I think it's important ask questions. What do you mean that's all we can do? Have we tried this? Have we, you know, there's some things as a nurse I can ask you, I want to steer individuals and the individuals and families to ask hard questions. And, you know, I think that a lot of people that are over the age of 60, maybe 70 are intimidated by doctors or healthcare and they're afraid to ask questions. They don't want retaliation. They don't want to feel stupid. They don't want to step on someone else, you know, step over the boundary. They don't want to Mm -hmm. hurt the doctor's feelings by questioning them. And what I would say is, no, no, You need here are the questions you need to ask, and you feel bold in this and ask those questions. And I think that's all that we did, Mara, was we made sure that, you know, who's on the team? and is the right mm-hmm. doctor is a cardiologist or a you know primary care physician or is it a you know is a doctor that has treated her for 40 years or you know it's hard as a it's hard as a nurse physician whatever type of clinician when you're in the hospital and people are in a crisis you may not know their history or fully understand it and you certainly don't know what's going on with the family and you certainly don't know, most likely don't know the wishes of the patient in the bed. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that was something that we talked about a lot was, Mara, what's your mom's attitude? What does she want to do? And I was just going to say, I had I had three other, I have three other um, clients this week that we talked about that. And, and it is, you know, if the will to live is strong. And if you want to get help and you want to ask the questions and you feel like not enough is being done or maybe I need a second opinion, you should ask for those questions. If, you know, many, everybody has their own viewpoint and they may feel like, well, I don't want to do anything that's not natural, you know, unnatural medicine, um, or I don't want to give any narcotic because they might get addicted or there are just so many, so many variables in the home when you're trying to take care of your family and it's hard enough that it might be your first time, but it's also you don't want to upset your brothers and sisters and it's a probably one of the first, you know, worst times in their life. So everybody deals the best that they can deal. So I hope that I can take the pressure off and help you to ask Hard questions and to um make sure that everyone is heard, you know and that's part of advocacy, mediation, and navigation, really,
1: mhm, mhm, yeah, yeah, and then you know if you have multiple doctors in the situation and they're they're not all on the same page, then you know how do you you need to have a way to figure out how to navigate that. Right, that was kind of the situation with my mom. Yes, yes. Well, I
4: think
3: that um, families come in almost blindsided because they've never experienced, um, you know, a a crisis, you know, an end-of-life crisis or a serious, maybe a cardiac crisis or, you know, something that is so um, unfamiliar to them and you can't think well in a crisis. So what what I'm doing with this, you know, with Always Caring for Seniors is it would be better if it wasn't in a crisis when you know that the family member could be your mom or your sister or someone that is has multiple um, chronic diseases or multiple issues that keep them um, needing care. Um, as time goes on, It is nice to have one person who can follow a history to be able to say, you know, did your doctor offer home health? Do you know what that is? Do you know what Medicare is and Medicaid and what you have? And, you know, there are things that I'm able to help the families with um, along the way so it doesn't have to be in the crisis. But, you Mm -hmm. know, many veterans don't realize that their programs, aid and attendant benefits or programs where, you know... um, In good standing, a veteran can get money each month for care at home, and you want to make sure to coordinate that. If there, it might be that they're looking for um, um, Medicaid planning. So, of the issues that you have when you age, um, it's an unfamiliar territory, and it is. I'm, I'm thankful to be able to help people find resources. And it might be navigating the healthcare care system, um, but it also could be, do you have your authority documents ready? Do you have, don't wait until the last minute when your mother's, um, you know, is not able to make decisions and then think that she will sign papers. It doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. So we like, so we talk about that as well. And things that, you know, things that families don't realize is that services can be brought to the home, and you may not have known it. Um, for an example, I'm working very closely with a couple companies, and what we make sure to do one is 24 hour physicians, here's a plug, and the other is ThoughtSwift. And what we do is, I want to make sure that everyone has a, a, a physical exam. That has to do with, you know, if you have Medicare, you have to have, you have the right to have a physical exam every year. They pay for it. But what happens is when you're at home and you don't have the resources, you don't know um, how to get to the doctor's office, or you don't have a, a doctor that you see reliably because you're at home, all of these problems can be taken care of. It could be, You know, 24-hour physicians gives you a primary care physician so that you always have someone, not narcotics, but that you can get started until you can find your permanent physician. Or if you're at home, you can have them forever. And Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do is make sure that families at home know what their options are, help them to navigate through the system and with their families together, you know, not everybody's arguing and fight. It's a hard time. You know, it's a hard time when mama is sick. Everyone wants mm-hmm. to go in a different direction to take care of her. And you just want to wanna you know, talk with somebody with experience. You know, is this so the it right sounds like you,
1: the right question? It sounds like you offer a lot of services. Um, in varying situations. What you know? What to kind of tie
3: it up. Um, what we what I what we offer is resources, healthcare resources. It's really legal, financial, and um, medical resources in the home. When I say financial resources, I'm talking about things to keep you in the home that might be tied up to your will or trust or those. Uh, We want to make Mm -hmm. sure you're talking to an attorney rather than your neighbor. So I'll help you with that. Um, And so referrals, resources, advocacy, um, and when we – and there are things that – not just nurse navigation of how am I going to get here or there, but sometimes it's overwhelming that you get this Medicare bill and you have no idea, you know, why am I getting this? What am I going to do with this? What is this $28,000? My daughters don't know what to do to help me. So there are all different, you know, all different issues that come along just with aging. And I know I can get you a resource. If I can't do it myself, I know how to get it done for you. I will give a resource. Mm So that's why I'm so passionate about it. I'm so excited about it because um, I get these calls all the time that what do I do? What am I going to do?
1: So, you know, you are now launching to be a national um, group, right? You're helping people all over the country. Yes. I have been
3: for 10 years, and I've been building this through another company. But we focused more on matching caregivers and then making sure we knew how to keep people safely in the home. So now I'll be able to keep people safely in the home and have that be my focus.
1: Mhm, 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 mhm. And so all over the country. Around the country. I'm sorry. Mhm. And you have resources all over the country. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's great. So, you know how? So this is you know kind of a sticky question. How do people pay you? Is it paid for by Medicare?
3: No, it is not. It is it is not paid for by Medicare. So. I – just one second here. (laughs) Sorry, my phone is going crazy. Um, Okay. It is not not paid for by Medicare. It is privately paid. And what I do is I set up a retainer with each family, unless we're talking about an organization. But with each family, then I set up a – we have a contract. And then we get – depends if the family wants – six hours of care or ongoing, what I do is I charge the family for uh, usually the retainer, first retainer is six hours. They can use it as slowly or as quickly as they would like. And after they have used up the first four, then we'll request a a separate uh, retainer um, unless they think that the work has been done. I'm okay and I Mm -hmm. don't need more hours. Most mm-hmm. families, there are some families that, like the families that I'm working with right now, with the six hours, that that will be, I have a couple families that, that will take them, they know that I bill them 10 minutes at a time, so if I talk for 10 minutes, I'm not charging them for an hour, and they have research to do as well, so I'm giving them assignments and they'll come back, so we use the money wisely.
1: Mm-hmm. It could go for a long way. Yeah, yeah. Mhm, mhm. And it's, you know, I mean, it's well worth it to have that sort of peace of mind working with an expert rather than trying to navigate this all yourself when you don't even, you know, most people have no idea what's going on in the in the right. healthcare system, especially in geriatrics. Well, you know, when you go to
3: the hospital and you have a social worker that helps you to pull things together in the hospital when you're getting out, um, they most of the time they're helping you because you do not have money. You may not have any money and you need resources. And with my business, sometimes it is the flip side. It is that with families that have spent their whole life building their You know, their um, Medicare, their, um, you know, their veteran status, their financial status, what they don't want to do is throw it away and then make bad decisions about, you know, oh, I I never knew I needed, I could uh, set up a veterans or Medicaid trust. I was told to spend all of my assets and and then everything would be fine. Well, that's not how it goes. You could keep your house and to and a car. So there are things that we want to do also for people that, you know, that it's not that you don't have money and you don't know how to find those resources. It's that you don't want to, you know, you work hard, you don't want to throw away your your money and you want the best care whether it's an assisted living facility, um, it depends, you know, if, if uh, you might want an end-of-life doula, but there are things that you're going to need, and we want to be very respectful of, um, you know, whether it is the, the, um, the probate, the, the issues, the financial issues that happen later in life when you don't, mm-hmm. when you, you don't make good decisions, it's too late after. And what we want to do is make sure that our parents and our loved ones have the best access to care and live their best life maybe in their home as long as possible. So Mm -hmm. I I feel like it is worth it. It's always worth it to talk with an attorney um, when you're dealing with some of these estate plans and you just want to keep mom home, but she's chronically ill keeps going in and out of the hospital, you know, or there's the, the medical side of the issues where, you know, mom, mom can't decide. You know, they keep saying to her uh, to go to hospice. We think that's the end. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Hospice, and you can go hospice to home health and home health back to hospice. And sometimes it pays, you know, there's, there are lots of benefits to hospice. And um, you can be on hospice for quite a while or come off of it. But these are some of the things that we talk with the families about because I want to give information, give you time and information so that you can see what your options are rather than being spooned at something that was for someone else.
1: Right. Right. And you certainly can't go by what the hospital social worker tells you. (laughs) Well, and once you're out of the hospital, you don't have a hospital social worker. um, Yeah, no, they're just just finding a place for you.
3: Well, sometimes they're finding home help. You know, they work very hard. They work very hard. But once you're home, you need the continuum of care. You know, if you're sick and you just came out of the hospital, um, you don't want to have a million people going through, going in a, a different directions when you're trying to get mama some care. Um, right. I'm going to give you another example. I I was working with a family over the over the last maybe two weeks, and <clears throat> you know um, the the patient, she was very sick. She just lost her husband. They're grieving. Family all lives out of town. And they're all trying to figure out how to help mom and they don't know what to do. And it, for me, honestly, it gives me joy to be able to talk with them and to give them some options and some hope and some, you know, clarity. And, you know, they were at, able to ask doctors um, all kinds of questions. And as a matter of fact, this family I'm talking about will be sending mama to rehab in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that sometimes you're so scared, and people are so sick, and you think it might be over, or you think, you know, oh, my neighbor told me to do this. Let's explore options. Let's let's get some information to
1: you. That's my goal. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I love what you're doing. So, Thank so you. Lauren. How can people find out more about you and the services you provide and contact you if they're interested? Um, what are the best ways for that? So they
3: can email, email to me, Lauren, at Ways Caring for Seniors. And I say that slowly because Ways are two different words. So it's Lauren at Ways Caring for Seniors. And then my website is com, and it's just now going up, so it'll be a little bit bare bones. It's a different one than years back. Um, they can contact me by calling me anytime at 512-809-4057. And just leave a message if I don't return your, you know, if I don't catch your call, but I'm so happy to have this opportunity to tell people about this because it's hard to find. And, you know, mm-hmm. as we get older and we're trying to raise our parents, we have a lot of questions. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: So thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And uh, I'll be posting that on my website on the post about this show later this evening. Um, so if people didn't catch it, they could just go there and they'll find it. And it's always with two L's. That's the way no. I um Yes ma'am. And yeah, I, I'll put it I'll put it up there tonight so people can find it and get your phone number as well. Um, thank you so much, Lauren, and I'd love to have you back on as time goes on and you can let us know the developments of this. Um you know, of this resource, which is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And good night,
3: everybody. Thank you again. And back All, right. Right. Okay. You mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye. You
1: take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. We're going to take a brief break. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Dr. Mera's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at
2: www.drmerrickharpell.com.
1: All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Karpel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpel.com. And um, I really, um, so I, I, I'm i very seriously so glad that this is now the focus that Lauren is, is on because it was so helpful to me to have her to talk to. She was such a... A great guide in in helping me to advocate for my mom when she was in the hospital, which is a really and I've spoken about this on the program before. That if your loved one is in the hospital, they really need an advocate because um, doctors and you know staff, you know, they try their hardest, but they don't know your family member, and they are not necessarily going to do what's the best. For them in particular, it's more like a one size fits all approach. And so, being there as an advocate, you are making sure that your loved ones' wishes are being taken care of and, and they're getting the care that they need specifically. So, um, and sometimes we just don't know how to do that. So, having somebody guide us who is an expert. Um, who knows the healthcare system, knows medicine, very, very um, um, important. It really is important. I don't, you know, I can't say that enough. So that brings me to, um, I'm going to talk just very briefly before we go on because we have a packed show, but um, I recently wrote a blog that was published on Medium and on one of the sub- Uh, platforms of media called An Idea by Ingenious, something like that. And it's also in Savannah East. And um, so you can catch it. It's on my website if you want to find it. It's called What's Really Calling You Today, The Meaning of Life in This Moment. And um, I do, I want to just touch on it a little bit because the health crisis that my mom went through really brought a lot of things to the forefront for me. And, I, and I've and i talked about it before, prior to this crisis in terms of the pandemic. And a lot of people during the pandemic were feeling like they were really spinning their wheels, that they couldn't do what they really thought was their passion, thought was their purpose, and so felt their life very pointless. And... I had written about that before that um what what you need what what gift you have is needed in this moment might might be different than the gift that you thought that you wanted to bring into the world that this moment, whatever it is is calling you um it might be you know during the pandemic with uh, people needing extra help with um, getting food, if they were unemployed, that sort of thing, that maybe be your calling at that moment. You might have been a musician or you might have been an artist or, or working on something where you're going to go out and perform, but you couldn't perform in public. But your mission, your focus um, at that moment could have been helping people to get food, bringing, you know, volunteering to, to bring food to people who were not able to work or couldn't get out of the house, that sort of thing. And so the blog that I wrote really came about in terms of that healthcare crisis that I talked about with regard to my mom. And I, you know, left Texas for six weeks, went up to New York to just, that was my focus to be there as her advocate with, um, you know, whatever help I could get, but I was there, um, for six weeks. And there are many times in our life that we find ourselves, um, where there could be a crisis, a healthcare crisis for a family member or even our own crisis, um, or something in the community something in our community that where people really need help. And at these times we may have to temporarily give up everything that we thought gave our life some sort of meaning. Um, Because at that moment it turned out that that crisis was the purpose of your life to help take care of people in that crisis. And, it really brings, about, brings me to this whole idea that it could be the most mundane things that bring our life meaning in the moment. It might not be a crisis. It might be just helping your children, um, helping your, your elderly loved one as a caregiver, that at that point in time, that moment, the need for your help at that moment is what is the most meaningful. And I was listening to this uh, book on audio, um, 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman, and he made some points that really hit home. Um, that he He said, most of us go around thinking of ourselves as fairly central to the unfolding of the universe but he goes on to say that it's kind of a relief that that's really not true, that we're not the center of the universe that we as he puts it you almost certainly won't put a dent in the universe and this can be liberating, this can be calming when we realize that that we don 't have to do we don 't have to do something really grandiose and wonderful to make our life um, be one that 's well spent that we already might be doing what 's needed in the mundane things in our life in the way that we um, bring kindness into the world in the way that we help other people in the Generous gestures that we make throughout our day, those may be as meaningful or more meaningful than the grand gestures, the grand accomplishments that we think we're going to make. And it brings us back to the question that I've said many times before, the two questions that we might ask ourselves every day is how can I bring light into my life today And how can I bring light into the world today? And the answers to those two questions might actually be the same because when we bring light into the world, we also end up feeling really good. And the answer might also be through mundane actions, just doing what is needed in the moment But it's no less important or meaningful to do those things. So take a look at the blog. I go into a little more detail about that. You can find it on my website. And I also want to mention that my book, I know our little ad says it's available on Kindle and paperback, is also on Audible. All right, so now we're going to listen to some music by our producer Art Mendoza about Mexico, and then we go to our interview with Minerva and Ruben in Bea Banderas to take us to another Mexico travel destination. All right. Hola, guys. It's another weekend. How are you?
4: Hola. good. How are you?
1: Okay. All right. The weather's good. The weather's pretty nice here. How's the weather down there? Mm,
4: very hot. Yeah, it's not very hot. And the oh. night is, like, fresh. It's
1: hot. Yeah. Wow, already. It's early, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. All right. So where are we going to today? Campeche. All right,
4: Ruben, why don't you start us off? Campeche is a Mexican port city on the Gulf of Mexico. It's known for its preserved Baroque colonial buildings, military architecture and walled historic district. The city was fortified in the seventeenth century and two hilltop fortresses are now museum. It was founded on October 4, 1540, when the Spanish began the conquest of the Yucatan Peninsula. The city was a rich and important port during the colonial period, but it declined after Mexico's independence. Campeche, a standing colonial UNESCO World Heritage site in Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula, It's like something straight out of a fairy tale, complete with pirates, beautiful mansions. An old world force to protect the temple and the city. There are so many things to do in a town just under one million people, where the balmy weather is very similar to the Pacific side, but more humid. You can marvel at the Museo de la Arquitectura Maya or remains about the past at Casa Six Historic Museum. You can also indulge in fine dining and relax in quaint cafes or climb and transport yourself back in the time at Pyramid Etna. Campeche is one of the least known and most overlooked <laughs> colonial cities in Mexico, mostly bypassed by those visiting more famous destinations in the Yucatan Peninsula. The city's historic buildings are protected by decree to keep them from being destroyed or altered by the growth of the city. Campeche is known
1: as the Mexico's Rainbow City. Well, that sounds beautiful. Have you guys ever been yeah. to Campeche? No. no. But I
4: would like to go. Yeah.
1: I know, after hearing that, I want to go. Yeah.
4: yeah.
1: So thank you guys, and have a wonderful day. Adios. 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 Of our next guest, Betty Navas, who joins us on the phone from LA. Welcome, Betty. Hi, Dr. Mara. How are you? I'm doing well. Great to hear from you again. How are you? Thank you so, thank you so so much. I'm
5: doing well. Um, I've been concentrating on writing new music, like you just played. I, I've been um, doing. I did all the arrangements. Did the string arrangements? Did the whole shebang? So, um, so that's that was my thing, you know. During the lockdown pandemic, was to just work on
6: mm-hmm.
5: making arrangements. And because I decided I'm better off doing it on my own, because I because I'm the one who knows what I want, you know. So, you know, I I just took a lot of time, you know, with it because it's time consuming, you know writing string parts, then applying the string parts, you uh-huh. know, and things like that. So,
1: so yeah, yeah but if I've you, been up to. You, yeah, but it sounds like you had the time because everything was locked I down. Do. <laughs> and, uh, and you're able to do that, right? You have the ability, so that's great to, to have it the way that you want it.
5: Yeah, um, it's interesting because, like, you know, when you're, you know, one, one of the things I really wanted to do when I started writing music some time back is I wanted to create my own arrangements because I've always been interested in how things are arranged. Because the way mm-hmm. I listen to music, is, it's not like the typical way to listen to music. Um, I'll listen to all the parts and the arrangements. So for me, I can put a song on loop, like over and over, and I won't get tired of it, because I'll be listening to the production and the arrangement and... Oh, they added this horn part here and the synth part sounds like this and the background vocals do this and wow, that's interesting. So, um Oh, wow. So it's very hand yeah, So it's very handy that I don't get tired of listening to the same song over and over. You know, uh-huh. I I'm am you know, I can literally p- put a song on loop like almost the entire day. I know it sounds weird, but I'll I'll do that and then and then we'll end up Really paying attention to is the production,
1: mm-hmm. and
5: uh, and I and I, I got into a um, I got into film trailer music like kind of a while ago because I, I start finding film trailer music online and especially on YouTube you know people post film trailer mm-hmm. music all the time and and I'll listen to it and and I'll do like I'll put it on loop and listen to it over and over. And I found some music that had a mix of electronica and orchestral. It was like a mix of the two.
6: Uh-huh. And
5: I, I became totally fascinated with it, and I actually bought, you know, some of the music, and, and I had it, and I listened to it all the time. And, and, and I felt like that's something I want to do, like put, put my own string arrangements in there.
6: You know when? Interesting.
5: Cause it, yeah, because it, it was something I was totally influenced to do by hearing film trailer music and getting into that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Betty, can you talk to us about the song that we just played? Make a move. Yeah.
5: Um, I I've been studying. Um, another thing I did during the pandemic is I studied jazz piano. Um, partly because it was I had the time. And also, too, I was able to take some classes online.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, one of the things we, you know, when you go into jazz, you get into something called modes, right? And that's like um, it's like another, another aspect of looking at chords and scales together, you know? So um, one of the things I started doing is writing in a mode rather than writing like the way I did in the past. Hmm. So that song is like in a mode in a minor mode, and I was experimenting with working with like minor it's like an experiment to like work with minor chords, but then make them bright by your arrangement you know like I added this like string arrangement, and I found this string you know like the the string sound and i and I worked with it to make it bouncy, you know, so it doesn't sound like a sad song. It sounds like something you'd hear if you went out and went dancing. Right. So, you know, and I was experimenting with that. And that's really the effect I wanted to achieve.
1: Because I, I kind of
5: go went through this evolution of like, okay, well, I play guitar, so I wrote songs on the guitar ex- almost exclusively. And one year I was asked to write a song for a play. It was like a, a play here in L.A. that was produced some time back.
4: And um,
5: mm-hmm. I ended up writing it on piano, but I, I did this very basic thing, you know, basic three chord, you know, chords, three note chords, you know, triads, and I did this. But when I went into a studio to record it, I actually had to go into a studio because at the time I didn't have my setup yet, and um, I came up with like a vocal arrangement, and it sounded and it ended up being really sophisticated sounding. And then mm-hmm. when it was finished and I gave them the copy and they played it every night before the show opened, I was like, wow, that's the direction I want to start going in.
3: Mm-hmm. And then I sort
5: of, you know, I, it's not like I decided, you know, I wasn't going to go into any other direction because I tend to write in different um, genres, but, but I'm, I felt like that's something I totally want to do is just go in this, in a really more sophisticated direction, which is how I ended up wanting to get into studying um jazz on piano because that takes right. you into this other direction that you've you know jazz is all about exploring you know and it's all mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. not being stuck to one thing it's all about exploring and and get and and once you get past all the um the theory of it you know like learning the notes and the chord extensions once you get past that then it's all about forgetting about it and then exploring as much as possible which is something mm-hmm. really in- I find really interesting about jazz like you know it's like um like jazz musicians are very different than any other kind of musician because to them it's all about how creative can you get in one session like exploring the instrument stretching the envelope, so to speak. So for right. me, I wanted, I wanted to do that with the songwriting. Awesome. Yeah, you know, like how far can I push the envelope, you know, before it starts to not make sense anymore, you know.
6: but I, Right. Because
5: you, cause you have the confines, you know. You have your, I want to still, you know, have the song so that everybody can enjoy it because I don't want to go so out far out there that you know, I lose everybody. But at the same time, I want to push the push the envelope, and my own personal envelope, because it's not something I was doing before.
4: So, Betty, we're going to play
1: another of songs. Sure. We're going to play what you another
4: of songs that you sent.
1: <laughs> so you sent us You're In Love. Can you talk about that before we play it? Totally, and it's
5: another aspect of what I was saying, um, I took, like, um, like a, 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 just purely a piano class, it, you know. It was just purely a piano class. And I, you know, when you take a piano class, especially the professor was teaching jazz, you know, then I had to get into all these jazz chords. And then um, I ended up writing the song with nothing but jazz chords. But I wrote okay. a pop song. So, like, it, oh, you know, cool. you might not like if you hear the song, you're not going to say you're not going to say yourself. Oh, I'll bet Betty used jazz chords.
4: You know, you what I'm right. saying, and
5: that's sort of the effect I was looking for. So let's okay. see. If, well, hang. Let's see if I have that effect for you.
1: <laughs> okay. So hang on the line. We're going to play that, and then we'll be right back. Okay.
5: Great. Thank you.
1: Yes, I definitely, Hi. I definitely got that effect, Betty. Um, oh,
4: great. It
1: sounded, it sounded like jazz, and then a pop song. Yeah, so that's yep. that's that's what I was looking
5: for. Yeah, um, and, great. And I, I and I like the way you know the two, you know, genres can kind of coexist without clashing
6: hmm And I I'm mm-hmm. I'm really into You
1: shouldn't really... be Uh oh. oh. Uh-oh. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> music. Oh, I was so excited you put it back on. Okay. <laughs> um so Betty, if people want to hear your music, um ha, are there how can they can they download some of your new music now?
5: Well I'm in the process of uploading onto – I belong to a website called com, and I'm on uh-huh. there. And uh, I have some songs on there, um, other dance songs that it's sort of similar, in a similar vein. And then um, it's com, and they have these charts that they do.
6: Mm-hmm. And
5: I've been – my song went to, like, number three – not too long ago. I'm wow, trying to think of great. the it. Yeah. Went to number three, like in the power pop category. Uh-huh. And, you know, and it's like a it's like a website for independent artists and people upload their music and then they, and then, you know, as people stream it, listen, um, it gets put on these charts, you know, depending on how many streams you get, you know. So uh, my song, I, yeah, I had a song that went to number one. Another song went to number three. So that's kind of nice because, you know, it's it's I'm happy that, you know.
1: Yeah, that's
5: great. Yeah, that it's accessible and people are listening. But I'm also, like, uploading it to uh, another website called Reverb Nation. And Mm -hmm. what I plan to do is compile this new style of music that I've been doing and compile it together and distribute it through TuneCore. I already have some distribution through TuneCore, but... It's a completely different genre of music. It was like something I've I've written in the past.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: So um, and it's there as like a way of because um, what what happens with me is, is that I'll get approached by people who have like independent projects, like a documentary, short film, um, and they'll say, "Where can I hear your music?" So I'll refer them to that or to okay. the other sites. So,
1: so that's for- so That's for a way people to go. listening, for people listening today, if they want to hear some of mm-hmm. your music, where would be the mm-hmm. best place for them to do it today?
5: I would say Reverb Nation.
1: Okay, and, and then it's so
5: continue. easy. It's yeah, it's so easy to find. It's such a big giant website. It's a big giant website for independent musicians and artists. Reverb Nation, okay. and you just you just punch in my name, and you'll totally find
1: it. Okay, great. So I'm gonna post yeah, because I have a I have post.
5: like yeah, I have like a, a a number of songs on
1: there. Okay, so, I'm gonna put that on my yeah. uh, website on the post on my website about this program. So later tonight, so people can just go right there and click on it and go to your yeah. page on Reverb Nation. Great. Okay. Well, that thanks. Great yeah thank you so much, Betty, for coming back on the program and keep creating It sounds like you know you're one of the people who just got more creative during the pandemic um, you, you know, know i it's, than...
5: yeah it's it was the way to keep for me it was my way of keeping sane
1: because right.
5: you know when when it all first went down i I was like really scared. Like I'm sure a lot yeah, of people,
1: like, because yep, you don't know, yep. you
5: know, you don't, you, you don't know what's going to happen. So I decided, you know, I'm just going to really take my mind off of everything that's going on. And, and that's why for me taking the classes was sort of useful because it was online and then I could just, you know, do all my projects and then turn in my projects online. I yeah. didn't have to go anywhere. Um, but
6: yeah. because
5: jazz is actually rather difficult to study and it's time-consuming, you know, you can easily spend hours just learning a few measures because you've got the improvisation to think about, all these things all right. to think about. So it, 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 because the fact that jazz is really demanding and time-consuming, um, that was really helpful because it really, yep. if you re- really want to take your mind off of something, learn an instrument. Right, you know, it's really good, it, you know, good, and good
1: suggestion. Good yeah, suggestion. and I
5: would definitely recommend you know anybody, no matter no matter what your age is, to learn an instrument because your brain has to. My understanding is that your brain, the two hemispheres of your brain, have to work very very much. You know, and this really helps your brain. It would your brain doing push-ups or something.
6: Well
1: and um and, and
5: Yeah, yep. so true. It's so true.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the program. Keep creating. Um we have to go before we get knocked off the air, but um and come back. I'd love to have you. Sure, back absolutely
5: on. I will. Well thank All you right. so much, Dr. Mar. I appreciate I appreciate it. You you have a great weekend. You too. Have and a please great Please give my regards to Art for inviting
1: me on the show. I appreciate
5: it. Thank you so much
1: again. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. All right. We've come to the end of another show. Let me all let you know what's going on next week before Art knocks me off the air here. Um, Next, we'll be joined by Marcus Julian Carbo of Taiji Fit national coordinator of the VA's Community Care Tai Chi Network and late-night podcaster for the Voice of Mindfulness. And also, Cass Clayton will be back with some of her original music. If you want to hear tonight's program again and get those website links that we talked about, contact information, go to my website later tonight, and the podcast along with all of those links will be posted at drmaricarpell.com. And you can also hear this evening's program in five minutes by going directly to blog B L O G Talkradio dot com slash your Golden Years or you can find it on Apple Podcasts. And to find out what's happening in future shows, go to Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years on Facebook. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by A AmightyGoodTime.com. Thank you to my guests, Lauren Tarrant, Betty Navis, Minerva and Ruben in Mexico, and thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring week, and remember youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe.